Yo, what's up everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Channel Chasers Podcast. For those of you watching live on Twitch, you know, I don't really need any introductions, but this is our first episode that we are going to be doing audio only for. This will be uploaded to your major podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, and the like, so if those of you are listening to our audio only version hello my name is jay i am a pirate vtuber i normally stream live on twitch i've been podcasting for a very long time but uh you know a lot of hoops and different circumstances uh led to stopping and starting and stopping and starting and here once again is another start and i am not alone joining me as always is my friend and co-host brian how you doing, Brian? I'm all right. Hello, peoples. I am Brian, uh, Jay's IRL friend and co-host of uh, Channel Chasers and its many different iterations. Yep. Uh, and just to give, again, audio-only listeners a rundown, the Channel Chasers podcast, as the description says, is a podcast that is usually bi-weekly, but uh, for a couple of weeks, we'll actually be doing weekly episodes where Brian and I basically take shows that we are interested in and we've been like either binge watching or watching live and we cover entire seasons in long form discussions and breakdowns where we talk about plot, characters, and our overall thoughts on the show. Um, there are some differences between the live version and the audio only version. For example, we have our friend Jordan in the chat here and in the live version, you can interact with us directly, talk about the show with us, give your own feedback on the show itself. And, you know, we also have an exclusive segment that Brian brings to us where Brian, you know, takes a bunch of trailers for upcoming TV and movies, and we all react to it live on Twitch. So if you miss out on that and you want to see us live, you can find me at twitch.tv forward slash MitchellJBT. That is twitch.tv forward slash M-R-J-A-Y-V-T. So definitely check us out there. Hopefully I can leave a link to my Twitch in the description of the podcast episode in the details. But if not, that is the link. Definitely check us out. Uh, we normally stream and record around 9 p.m. Usually on Saturdays, but due to IRL stuff, I had to record on a Sunday. But yeah, that's all the housekeeping stuff out of the way. Um, now we're going to move on to another one of our segments of the podcast. Nerd News, where Brian breaks down some news stories in the world of entertainment. Alright. Alright, take it away, Brian. All right, so uh, usually for the new segment, unless it's something big like Comic-Con or something, I always try to keep it at four, uh, four new stories just so we're not here forever and it goes more smoothly. And so since our last podcast, some stories have come up, bigger and smaller entertainment-wise, but I have narrowed it down to for the mo more recent ones and most pertaining to the stuff that we cover. Mm -hmm. And for the first one, uh, 
if you are a uh, big fan of TV, you might know the name Brian Fuller. He's been responsible for shows like Cannibal, Pushing Up Daisies, more recently American Gods. Oh man, Pushing Up Daisies was amazing. I didn't. I forgot that was him. Well, he has announced his next show that he's oh. doing. And similar to like Cannibal and American Gods, it will be a uh, it will be based on an actual established franchise. Okay. And the name of the show? Crystal Lake. What? They're doing a second Friday the 13th TV show? This one is going to be a quote-unquote expanded prequel. Alright. And will likely star Pamela. I mean, I'm not I mean, I'm not mad at it to be honest. Shit. Up uh, from what I hear, the Chucky show on I want to say it's sci-fi. Yeah. Uh is actually really good from what I've heard from people. So this might actually surprise us. I mean, shit. Last time we shitted on a prequel show before we watched it, it was Krypton. And we ended mm-hmm. up loving that show. Rest in peace. Well, also uh attach this, we know that uh Victor Miller who uh, was uh, the original OG film that was about Pamela. Uh, The writer for that is involved, and I believe uh, A23, is that what it's called? A24. A24. I have it written down A24, but then I second-guessed myself. But anyway, A24 is helping to produce this show. Don't think there's a network yet. Oh. Or cast or anything. But... Cool, cool. That is pretty interesting. Yeah, Marvel news. All right, cool. Uh, we they have casted Wonder Man. Nice. Who do we got for uh, Mister Simon Williams? Uh. Forgive me if I get this name wrong. It's a very unique name. But, uh... Yahya Abdul-Mateen II. Never heard of them. Uh, he was, uh... He was Black Mana in the Aquaman movies. Uh, he was the lead in Candyman. I'm not gonna lie to you, fam. I entirely forgot Black Manta was in the first Aquaman. Yep. He was also a D.B. Wheeler in uh, The Greatest Showman. Oh, cool. Cool. I've never really seen his uh, comedic side before, but trust the people at Marvel. I mean, Wonder Man isn't a comedic character, although it's the MCU. Everybody's fucking Spider-Man with the quips, so... True, you're right. But, and to be fair, uh, the tiny bits that we saw him, I think Black Mana was a bit cocky, so I kind of see it. Yeah, I mean, all you gotta do is play a, you know, rich asshole celebrity. <laughs> Which, you know, for, mo- for most actors, that's just, you know, playing which- <laughs> play life. Yep. No offense to the, no offense to the gentleman, obviously. I don't know your, I don't know your life, sir. And I'm not trying to judge you. Um, 
Next up, um, it was actually confirmed uh, several cast members for um, for uh, Agatha, Coven of Chaos. Okay, cool. Uh, first, four different cast members, and uh, I think I'm going up in uh, like well knownness. I think. Uh, an actress named uh, Ali An. Uh, she played uh, Dagon in um, Supernatural and was the lead Asian lady from uh, Raising Dion. Oh shit! Yo, Raising Dion is really good. I I watched the I I watched that on Netflix and I really liked it. Like funny funny thing about that, I watched I watched it while I was drunk and really liked it. And then so I was like. Alright, let me see if I liked it because I was drunk, or if I actually liked it. I watched again when I was sober, and I'm like, no, the show is solid. Nice. Um, next up, we've got uh, Maria Dislow. Uh, she played Tyler's mom on 13 Reasons Why, but also Polly, the best friend out of prison on Orange is the New Black. Oh, cool. But the the two big ones, and there's actually speculation around these two, is uh first up Joe Locke, which I know you probably don't know that name. Nope. And you probably don't know him his work either, because the one thing that he's done is he was the lead in uh, the Netflix uh, hit show Heartstoppers. Never seen it. I know you said good things about it. Yep. Which in it he he plays a short teenager with black curly hair who likes a tall blonde male teenager with muscles. So Oh, so you're so you're saying that they might just be straight up doing teen Billy. Yeah, that's the speculation. The only thing that um has fans a little off is uh Joe isn't Jewish. Hmm. So Alright. Yeah. Other otherwise. Yeah. No, I, I still think it'd be solid. Honestly Um, you know, I don't think Wanda's Jewish in the MCU, so does that matter? I guess not. But um anyway, the big the biggest one of all and I know you will know this name. All right. And she is rumored. Um, speculation is that she's playing the villain. None other than Aubrey Plaza. Holy fuck, what? Yup. Damn, all right. Okay, that's, that's pretty huge. Not gonna lie. I mean, I was already mm -hmm. excited for Covenant Chaos, mostly because finally Marvel will stop fucking pussyfooting around magic, like the bitches mm -hmm. they have been. I mean, Werewolf by Night was a nice step in the right direction, so there's at least that. But with Covenant of Chaos, we'll finally get full-on magic. Because mm -hmm. magic in the Marvel Universe is where you get to do all the fun, dumb bullshit. And for some reason, Doctor Strange has not done all the fun, dumb bullshit. 
Which is why I've been mm-hmm. disappointed in Doctor Strange. Yep. But speaking of uh, magic and kind of fun, dumb bullshit, um, the last story is the one that uh, is the one out of this list that you already know, Jay, and mm-hmm. it's the biggest news of this week. Had to include it as our last story. Yep. It was finally confirmed. Oh, we're not talking about that one. I, I was I was doing I was doing the music for the wrong fr- DC related franchise. Yeah. I thought we were talking about the Cavill news. I thought about putting in the Cavill news, but I thought this one was more apt to us. Oh, okay. My bad. I did not mean to step on you there, Brian. Not it, it, it happens, but yeah, Sandman was given a season two. I am so glad. I was absolutely. I was absolutely terrified, bro. Like, I mm-hmm. I texted Brian in a panic, like, "Oh my God, Brian! No, they did it! They fucking canceled Sandman! Those bastards!" I was so sad, and then Brian did some digging. He goes, "Okay, no, 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 no! Don't worry, don't worry." DC actually tweeted out and then untweeted that it got confirmed for a season two, and now it's officially been confirmed. Sandman to get into season two. That show was amazing. Unfortunately, audio-only mm-hmm. listeners, uh, I have no means of archiving our previous episodes on Twitch, because Twitch VODs only last for two weeks for me. Uh, so you will not be able to hear our thoughts on the first season of Sandman, but TLDR, I absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. And I Same. straight up gave it a 10. I guess it's more TL, uh, DL, because audio only, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, um, I gave it a 9.5. Jay has a stronger connection to the comics, which probably lent it that, that extra, yeah. final bump. Yeah, extra push. But, uh, but now we can comfortably say that, uh, you will get to see our season one thoughts when we talk about season two. Oh yeah, no, we are going to. Oh yeah, we're definitely we're definitely going to do a like recap of our thoughts for season one for those of you listening to the show and are curious. So look forward mm-hmm. to that episode because that is damn sure fixed as a permanent spot mm-hmm. on the queue. And the funny thing is about this story is, uh, like Jay said. Uh, the DC Comics, like the comics exclusive uh, t- Twitter, tweeted out about it and then immediately deleted it. But because it's the internet, people caught it. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and then the next day it was announced. But also funny fact about it is, I shit you not, most of the headlines weren't just saying Sandman Season 2 confirmed. Most of them were saying, finally confirmed. Right? Because, I mean, it was a fantastic show. Everybody who's seen it really enjoyed it. Like, at least from the people that and I know. forever to announce it. I know! But, like, and also they added an extra episode, and Gaiman was like, you know, we put that in there, you know, because we wanted to, and it, it wouldn't fit in a season two if we get one, so that got me scared, like... So are we not gonna get one? Like, I was- dude, as a fan, I was on fucking pins and needles, and me and mm-hmm. Netflix have major beef, 
because every time mm-hmm. I fall in love with a show, well, not every time, but at least r- relatively recently, a lot of times when Brian and I cover shows for the podcast or back when I used to do reviews on YouTube, like mm-hmm. I will go to bat for a show super hard and it'll only be a one season wonder and it's just like damn like cursed for example mm-hmm. i loved that mm-hmm. show what was the one where like it was sherlock Holmes, sherlock holmes had a kid and uh, um, it was it was a uh, the the um the Irregulars? Yeah. yeah, the Irregulars. It was like a Misfits type show. I loved that shit. That got cancelled. Yep. And then and then when we see a show that is kind of, let's be honest, kind of shitty, mm-hmm. like Wings Club. Oh god, I didn't even finish the, I didn't even finish the season for Fate, a Winx saga because I refused to call it the Winx Club because the Winx Club had a special place in my heart. I'm calling it its, it's proper title, Fate, a Winx saga. Which, uh, by the way, I didn't include it in the news, but that got cancelled. Fuck yes. There is justice in the world. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The creator said that, uh, that uh, though this is done, he's still not done doing Winx stuff. No, please, no. Just... In other mediums. Alright, well, keep it the fuck away from TV. I'm just saying. But no offense to the actresses. uh, I don't blame the actors at all. You did the best you could with a shit script. What what, what was her name in uh, Sabrina? Oh, uh, Prudence? Or, no, 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 no. Is it Dorcas? Dorcas? Dorcas. It was Dorcas. Yeah. Dorcas is an awesome actress and deserves to be a lead. Oh, yeah. Just not in a shitty, not in a shitty adaptation of an admittedly awesome early two thousands cartoon that was meant for girls, but I never gave a shit because it was dope as fuck. Where they don't even include one of the main five as a main cast member in the first season, because, yeah. And then because they get so much backlash for it, oh, it's just her cousin. Yep. And now she's coming in for season two. Yeah, bullshit. No, you can shut up. Yeah, bullshit. I hate it. I hate it. I'm glad you died, <laughs> Wink Fate, a Wink Saga. Die in a hole. Anyway. I'm sorry. Anyway, transitioning uh, so we don't spend too much time. Yeah, my bad, my bad. No, it's me too. Alright, cool. So, yeah, we are now officially done with the news segment of the podcast. That was Nerd News with our boy Brian. And now, uh, audio-only people, we are going to take a brief intermission, which, through the magic of editing, for you will only last a couple seconds. But we are going to react to a batch of trailers that Brian has queued up for us live on Twitch. If you would like to be a part of this and react along with us, to these trailers you can follow me over at twitch.tv forward slash mr jbt and you know react with us talk about the show with us and all that other good stuff uh but we will see you guys in a second but yeah brian do you want to tell the people who are listening uh, what trailers will react or reacting to so they can look it up for themselves in case they're interested or haven't seen any of them all right uh, we will be watching the new trailer for the new Criminal Minds, uh, like revival thing. Nice. Uh, 
a movie called The People We Hate at the Wedding. Alright, that's, um, that's a funny-ass title. Lopez versus Lopez. I heard that premiered recently, actually. Or is it, it going it, to it soon? Did. Oh, nice. It did. But I thought we'd watch the trailer anyway. Okay, cool. Uh, welcome to Chippendales. Oh, that's that's the movie about the creation of the Chippendales male strip clubs, right? I, I've I, I think I've seen that trailer on accident via a YouTube ad. Uh, a Christmas story, Christmas. All right. Bumper in Berlin. Okay, that's an as interesting in, title. As in, bumper from. Pitch Perfect. Oh, I thought it was like a. I I thought this was like some kind of racing movie. Okay, it's the Pitch Perfect spinoff. Yep. And then um thought we'd end with the two Marvel trailers that came out. I don't know if you saw them or not. Which so, ones? Quantum Mania and uh, Guardians: The Holiday Special. I have not seen either. The only trailer that I've seen is because it's been plastered everywhere. Is the uh, Wakanda Forever trailer? Which I thanks Marvel. I include that. I was like, uh, yeah. I was, I was gonna say, which thanks Marvel. Yeah, you go ahead and reveal who the Black Panther is in the who the new Black Panther is in the trailer. I will not spoil it for chat slash the listenership because oh, just in case just in case they haven't seen it, but they spoil who the Black Panther is in the trailer. So don't watch the trailer if you want to go in blind. Although most I, people know who it is because you know you either read the comics or you looked it up. Who does also, in the comics? Also, uh, in the trailers before that, they all but confirm it, and it looks like the last trailer did confirm. The last it. trailer does, and it pissed me off because I fucking oh my god! I thought it was just the regular trailer. I was like, oh, I've seen this trailer before. I don't. I, I, I let me let me let me let me see. I, 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 I like it. Let me watch it, and then you know we get to the end, and there's the suit. There's the person. They don't take off the mask, but you know who it is by seeing the suit. And it's like, damn it. Ah. Yeah. Ah, I was so mad, dude. So please, uh, if you want to go in blind for Wakanda Forever next week, or, you know, this upcoming week as of time of recording this uh, podcast slash streaming, don't watch that last trailer. Just don't do it. Mm-hmm. But all right, audio-only listeners, we will see you in a bit. And welcome back, listeners. Hope you took this time to get a snack, you know, or maybe you're at a red light listening to this on the go. Whatever, you know, do what you do. But we are back once again from our trailer reactions. Honestly, there were some really solid trailers. Some funny comedies, and once again, I am pissed at Peacock for hogging all the good shows. God damn it, Peacock. You're not gonna get me to spend money! I already pay for too many streaming services! I thought streaming services were gonna, you know, help me minimize the, the bill that I used to pay for, uh, I, me and my parents used to pay for cable. And. Like, I, 
I, I really just wish that, like, like with Lopez v. Lopez, that all, their sh all the shows on Peacock, if you have the NBC channel, because I have Hulu TV. You pay for Hulu TV, which is essentially like paying for cable again, but, like, way cheaper, and you, uh, and you get the Hulu stuff. But I wish if you had something like Hulu TV and you had NBC, you could, like, record those shows instead of, and, like, maybe, and, you know, but, like, you're stuck with Peacock, and, like, damn it, man, you don't have enough for me to justify paying for your subscription. Yep, like, you know, the Fresh Prince uh, remake. I enjoyed that for my, like, 10-day trial. I was like, I can finish one season in 10 days. That's fucking easy. And I did, and it was great. But it's not enough to get me to actually pay for the whole thing. But yeah. Mm -hmm. Streaming service, tangent aside, really good trailers. Highly recommend them. Uh, Brian gave you guys a list of the trailers. Um, before we took our little intermission. So hopefully you've checked them out yourself. Uh, definitely, mm -hmm. you know, let us know what you thought about the trailers, like, in a review or whatever. And I also got to remember to keep plugging this. I used to do this when we recorded previous versions of the podcast before. But please do not forget to leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your preferred podcast platform is. Because that will actually help us be seen by more people. And we are trying to, you know, regrow this from scratch once again. Because, you know, I'm going to be honest with y'all. This is another one of my income streams. So I, I need I need that bread. I'm going to be completely candid with you. Uh, also, we're in the uh, Right? I will definitely do an ad read for Manscaped, Blue Chew, or even Raid Shadow Legends. I don't think Raid Shadow Legends is this podcast ad, but, you know, seriously, I'm down. <laughs> I'm a pirate. You think I'm above shilling for treasure? Uh, but anyways, on to the proper discussion now. We are going to be talking about The Midnight Club by a Mr. Mike Flanagan. And Mike, if you are listening... Love your work, for real, dude. Like, you have been hitting it out of the park. Uh, I personally was not too big a fan of Midnight Mass, but that was just more because, I don't know, it felt more jump-scary. Uh, like, as opposed to your other work, which, like, genuinely, like, had me unsettled, as opposed to just, ah, you know? Like, I didn't get that same vibe from Midnight Mass personally. But hey, you know, not they all can't be winners. I really, mm -hmm. I absolutely love Haunting of the Hill House. To this day, it's one that me and Brian constantly talk about with our friends. It's like, if you like horror and you want a good horror TV show and you have Netflix, go watch The Haunting of the Hill House. It is genuinely scary. It is like on the level of the of you know the Conjuring movies, and I'm talking about the main trilogy, which honestly is like legit high praise in my opinion. Um, Bly Manor is also very good, not really as scary. You can't see my air quotes because my model can't follow my hands yet, 
but not really as scary, but it is a really, really compelling story with some amazing characters, and you are into that. I'm not going to spoil the twist of what, what kind of story it actually is, because it's a it's a nice it's a nice little subversion that like I, I want you guys to experience on your own, but definitely. Oh yeah, there are scary moments, but like Hill House all throughout had just a genuine scary vibe, you know. Um, but Brian, do you have do you have anything to say about uh, Mike Flanagan's work before we actually start talking about the Midnight Club? Mm -hmm. uh, okay. I think it started at film festival that picked up called Hush. Oh, wait, that was him? I love that movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, deaf and mute. Yeah, yeah. Mhm. Mm I remember I, I I remember that movie specifically because uh we so my cousin had come here from California and he was going to stay up all night to, to just so he was able to fall asleep on the flight. So we were watching a bunch of movies. And the last one we watched before he left was that movie. And we still talk about it sometimes. Because he lives here now. Um, that was his wife, right? Yeah, I remember. Yeah. That was the first thing I saw her in. Now that I'm thinking about it. Oh, cool. Ah. Gotcha. Oh, cool. But yeah, uh, I, we just wanted to do some quick praise to Mike Flanagan before we get started I, to this. Sorry. No I worries. Dude, home invasion horrors are always the most scary. Still to this day, one of the most terrifying movies I've ever seen in my life that is still, like, genuinely, when I think about that movie, I get goosebumps, is The Strangers. Because that shit, like, that's the shit that really scares you. Like, slashers and other shit like that, I love those, but I don't consider those scary because those are unrealistic. Mm -hmm. None of that shit could actually happen. Like, but the home invasion shit? That could happen to anyone. Yep. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's definitely, that's definitely terrifying. Also, listeners, I want to apologize in advance uh, if you guys are like, 
when are these motherfuckers gonna get to the topic? We are a rambly bunch, so get yeah. used to these tangents. It made me cry. Yeah, all, uh, all all three of the essential things. Which also made us cry, but cry harder. <laughs> oh, I don't know for sure. I don't know I don't know for sure if this is the case. I'm sorry for stepping on you again, Brian. My bad. Um I'm not for sure if this is the case, but it could be. Uh, we do have a prior iteration, the season one of the Channel Tracers podcast, on um, the uh, on the various different podcast platforms. If you just search Channel Chasers instead of the Channel Chasers podcast, mm -hmm. season one is up there. I don't know if our Fly Manor or Hill House episodes are up there because they, that was really early on in the podcast lifespan. But if they are, definitely go check those out. That was those were some good episodes. Yeah, usually, I, usually I am the first one to watch and uh, get think, get through things, and I'm I'm the one panic texting Brian as I'm like reacting to things. But this time, Brian gave me vague, spoiler-free panic text as he watched it. Uh, yeah, that was yeah, that was important. Oh yeah, for sure. I I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed it. Um, you know, so this is the point where we basically tell uh, tell you guys like whether we recommend it or not. Um, we won't give our scores. That's saved for the very end. So, uh, you know, if you're curious, we both highly recommend it. It is a super bingeable show. It's only ten episodes, and they're like half an they're like an hour apiece, like give or take. Um, really interesting format. Um, I I'll go ahead I'll go ahead and say this off top. Um, if you like shows like, uh, if you are a '90s baby, or you know late '80s, this will definitely strike a nostalgia core with you in certain ways. I will not say how, I will not say why, but it will. Uh, I think the best way to go into this show, if you haven't seen it yet, is to go in blind. That way you don't know what to expect. Uh, and I highly recommend it. Do uh, you have any uh, closing yeah. thoughts for the spoiler-free listeners, Brian? Uh, uh, 
It does. Yep. Oh yeah, so that's true. That, that might be a Mike Flanagan thing. Oh yeah, that, that is one thing that I will say for sure. Uh, is it is a YA show and it comes with several of the YA tropes. So if you are not a fan of YA and a lot of the tropes that YA does, maybe the same for you? Uh, I'll, I'll say that off bat, uh, because we enjoyed it a lot, but Brian and I are both uh, YA fans in terms of TV, despite like despite me, me being in my late 20s and Brian being in his 30s. You know, we, we, we still enjoy good YA stuff. Hey man, still thirties. I didn't. I didn't specify. Well, yeah, because you know, you're you're right. You're right. My bad. Oh yeah, his bar is really high, so the fact that he didn't meet his bar is not a knock on him. In fact, that's a compliment, because like I said, the bar is crazy high. Atmosphere of horror, yeah, exactly. That's what he does the best, honestly. Like, I feel like that's why Midnight Mass didn't strike a chord with me, uh, personally, because it didn't feel as atmospheric. Mm hmm. Yeah, exactly. All right, folks. Well, that was our glowing recommendation of the Midnight Club. I'm not going to call it season one because we don't know if this is going to get a second season and I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not going to sweat it because otherwise that's going to break my heart. But yeah, that is our glowing recommendation of the midnight club as it is. If you have not seen it yet, do yourself a favor, pause the podcast, go watch it and then come back. We promise we'll be here waiting for you when you do. But in the meantime, I'm going to give a quick warning to headphone users. And uh, for those of you guys listening to it on like a stereo or like, you know, in a speaker or something, you might want to turn down the volume a little bit because we are going into spoiler territory. And that means I have to play the spoiler alert. All right. Hopefully that didn't hurt your ears too bad. But we are now officially in spoiler territory. So let's talk some Midnight Club. Alright, so... Uh, I guess since I am the most recent finish, this time I'll start off. <laughs> yeah. Alright, so... 
this was such an interesting story. For me in particular, it definitely, like, connects on a personal level to an extent. Um, now, granted, I was never a terminal, thankfully. Uh, but, you know, little insight on me as a person, like, IRL-wise, I have a physical condition called cerebral palsy, and because of that, throughout my entire life, I have been in and out of hospitals uh, throughout a lot of my childhood in particular. So I have a lot of experience staying at hospitals and different treatment facilities and different things like that. And I'm very thankful for all, all the like wonderful treatment that all the medical staff has given me. Point being, like I'm very familiar with the hospital setting, especially in your teenage years. Because uh, my teenage years, I, I spent a lot of time there because I had a um, experimental surgery done. Um, and so not only did I have something performed, they were studying me to see if the shit actually worked. Which, you know, good news, it did! Uh, so, yeah, I definitely have some experience with this stuff, and it felt very relatable in that sense. Uh, I can't relate, of course, to the fact of being on a clock and dying, but I at least know what the, uh, the, the hospital type setting is like, especially if you're there for an extended period. Um, these characters were all phenomenal, so fleshed out. They weren't just tropes, they were real people. Okay, one character was a trope, and that's why I don't like him. Um, but everyone else felt like real people. And I'm sure there are real people like that character out there. We'll get to that character, but... I've seen way too many teen cancer movies, which, God, I can't believe that's an actual genre. But I've seen way too many teen cancer movies, and that guy just felt like, you know, the teen cancer movie male protagonist. And that's why I was not a fan. Um, but overall, it was really cool. Uh, the thing that we did not want to spoil was, of course, the fact that it was very, uh, it was a are you afraid of the dark style anthology where all the kids meet up and tell scary stories um, at midnight? And the cool thing is, um, all the actors who play the various characters who are the terminal patients also play various different roles throughout the different scary stories, which shows the range of a lot of these actors. And, you know... A majority of these guys on the cast, and guys I mean as in like, you know, the actors, they mm -hmm. are relatively, if not completely, unknown. So that was really fantastic. Flanagan and his team really have a strong eye for casting, that's for sure. Um, and it was just such a ride. Um, I, en I really enjoyed it overall. We're going to break it down character by character. That's how we... Uh, do a lot of these. Uh, the format varies depending on the type of show and the structure of the show itself. Uh, it was it was kind of weird trying to decide the format for this episode in particular because it has a overarching plot, but also is an anthology. So I was kind of struggling on how I should do this. But Brian, you know, advised me to go character by character. So that's what we'll do. So Brian, uh, your initial thoughts 
spoiler wise of the Midnight Club. Yeah, so, yeah, so, so, like, a uh, quick warning if you have not seen The Haunting of Bly Manor. But the ended up being story. Not even basically, that's what it was. Yeah. It was literally a love story with horror yeah. elements to it. Yeah, I, I, I would say, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, I definitely think it was a story of found family and mm. like, like you said, self-love is a big theme as well. And also the story itself ended up becoming a celebration of life, which mm. is a, a big thing that people with cancer and other terminal conditions, you know, have to come to terms with. Uh, like, uh, you know, real quick personal anecdote, and I, I promise this won't go on for too long, but uh, I had a friend, a friend of mine in high school, uh, if Jordan is in the chat, uh, he, uh, he will know, a friend of ours uh, was diagnosed with uh, cancer back when we were juniors in high school. Uh, he had, I believe it was called histiocytic lymphoma. It's a, it was a rare cancer that is rarely found, and when it's found, it's usually found in dogs, according to him. Um, and uh, thankfully, uh, our boy beat it. Uh, shout, nice. shout, 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 out, shout out to him. But, but, you know, the point is, like, all throughout, he was, like... He never let the diagnosis define him. He always just remained himself. He would joke about it. He would, you know, just live his life to the fullest. And it was, was amazing. And, like, that was the kind of thing that these kids had to come to terms with. Now, of course, I can't speak to it myself. Like I said, I've never gone through that. And I, you know, knock on wood hope I will never have to go through that, but, like, you know, I've at least kind of seen secondhand, like, what that process is like. I'm not gonna, you know, 
attempt to even claim to be close to that. But, you know, I, I feel like this show captured that vibe really well, at least in my opinion. Like, the, uh, the, the writing and the lesson itself was very strong. See? I promised that anecdote wasn't going to be that long. Uh, but yeah, so let's go into this a breakdown, character by character. We're going to start with the uh, ancillary characters who don't get, like, major focus this season. And we're going to move up to the, you know, in relevance as we go along. So first mm -hmm. off, we're going to do, like, the, the, the super side characters. Um... Which are uh, the orderly? I don't remember his name off the top. The character's name off the top of my head. I want to say it was Mark. Oh, it's Mark. Yeah, it was Mark. I had it. Uh, look at your notes. Look at your notes, dumbass. Uh, yeah, his name is Mark, and uh, he was a really great character. He served as a mentor. To, uh, to one of the other characters as well, because um, one of the members of the Midnight Club uh, is diagnosed with AIDS, and, you know, this is the 90s, and, you know, this was the other instance of trope Brian was referring to, but honestly, I wasn't too mad at it, because it was pretty well executed. Um, and I, I loved the mentor friendship that Mark had uh, with this character, which we'll get to when we get to him. He's actually not too uh, far off from the list. Oh yeah, he wasn't just helping out the uh the the gay kid of the group. He helped everyone. Um, you know, Amesh in particular uh, was uh someone that he bonded with very well. Uh, he had great moments with Cherie. Um, not really much with not really much with Shannon or Sharon. I always want to call her Shannon. She looks like a Shannon. Sharon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh crap! His name isn't in my notes. What is the kid? What is the kid? What is the kid's name? The, the the one the one that the one that has the one that has AIDS. I don't know why his his name isn't in my notes. I'm sorry. I was skimming my notes and I was, I was like, let me make sure I have all the shit. Ah oh, man, reproduction. What's that? But yeah, uh. While Brian looks for the kid's name, um, yeah, he he did he did a great job as an a overall Spencer. positive mentor character. Spencer, I see now that note makes more sense. I wrote down pretty little liars in my notes, and I was like, "What the fuck does that have to do with?" There's not an Allison in here. Spencer, thank you. Oh my goodness. Funny fact about about it's also clear they don't like 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I saw people pointing that out on the internet. Um, yeah. Also, just something really fun about Mark that's just a small thing that's not recurring, but it's brought up a few times, which I thought was hilarious, was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one of the things that Spencer misses doing is going to the movies because he used to do that with his, uh, his mother, and we'll talk about that more when we get to his section. But uh, Mark is constant because it's the '90s. Mark is constantly mm-hmm. recommending movies to Spencer, but there's one that he keeps repeating, and the movie he's talking about involves you know a a vampire dude turning this little girl, and that little mm-hmm. and the little girl really steals the show throughout the entire movie. And if you know you were alive during the '90s, or you know we're young during the early 2000s when that came on in reruns all the time, you know the movie I'm talking about. Interview with a Vampire. One of the first breakout roles of one of my favorite actresses in Hollywood, Kirsten Dunst. She absolutely killed that role as the Vampire Lolly. Yeah, that was her first role in a major motion picture. Of course, though, because both Tom. Yeah, Tom Cruise. Yeah, Tom Cruise. Yeah, Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt. You had it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're tra- but pl- plot twist. Mark wasn't into either Tom Cruise or Brad Pitt. He was into Antonio Banderas. And- awesome. What? Why? Because Oh, blood! I'm so stupid. <laughs> oh. Oh, that's a good one. Damn it, Mike Flanagan. That's clever. Touche. Well played, sir. Well played. Oh, and uh, full disclosure to the audio listeners, uh, you know, I, yes, I will edit stuff down, but these real-time reactions and things like that, I'm not cutting these out because, you know, I feel like it just adds to the personality of the podcast. <laughs> but holy shit, that's dope. What? Man. Extra layers. Holy shit. Transferred through blood. Damn. Damn, smart writing. Smart writing. But yeah, so that's Mark. Uh, The other um, ancillary character who, if this does get a season two, I'm sure will get fully expanded on. They better because of that fucking cliffhanger. But uh, the other character is, of course, a Dr. Stanton. The head doctor and the lady in charge of Bright Cliff the hospice facility where a majority of this show takes place. Um, she is very mysterious. Uh, it ends on a cliffhanger, which we'll talk about at the end. So, Flanagan, I know you don't really do multiple season shows, but let this be your first one, please. Interesting. Side note. 
stage. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there is hope. There is hope indeed. All right. So moving on from Stanton, because yeah, moving. Yeah, but she she bonds really well, in particular with uh, two of our main characters. Uh, but of course. Um, you know, very much like Mark, she is a genuinely good person and cares for all the kids. She has big moments with all of them. And uh, the actress just had a phenomenal performance. Yeah, because it would crush them. Yeah. Double, triple check, four Yeah, died of cancer, and that that's what really got her into, uh, like, this field, well, not the field, but like inspired her to own and run a hospice care facility. Because I'm sure she was a doctor mm-hmm. before then, but like, I'm sure, but I think in particular, her son's death impacted her enough to make her want to uh, run this hospice facility. Because this is a very unique hospice facility. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, I've never been to a hospice facility myself. Or had any family members in a hospice facility? Um, all all my family members who, who that have been in hospice have done the whole at home version. So I've never actually been in a facility facility, but um, I say it's unique because it has a very like hands off policy. They're pretty much allowed to do whatever. Um, within reason, uh, of course, there are limits they set, and we see why for obvious reasons. That we'll get into more as we talk about the overarching plot, as we talk about the different characters. But, yeah, mm-hmm. um, the facility itself is a character, and as its caretaker and patron, um, Dr. Stanton plays a big part in that with this facility. She also helps to facilitate a lot of the conversation, the tough conversations the kids have to air out their grievances and really get the character drama and character development rolling. So she plays an important role there. Yeah, we're just happy that you guys are doing it. Why do you think there's always fresh firewood out there for you? You You guys are going through chemo and things. We know you wouldn't be able to lug it yourselves. It's like, oh, <laughs> it's a, that was such a good moment. But yeah, uh, moving on to a, another one. Now we go to the main cast. We're going to start with like the cast members with like the least amount of screen time and the most up to the most amount of screen time. And we're also going to talk about their individual stories. So first, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about Cherie, who 
is like my second favorite character, I think. Uh like she might she she might even be my favorite. I maybe we'll, maybe I'll finally settle on one as we talk through this podcast. But she's definitely like in the top three of favorite characters. Cherie is a young woman who uh like seems very like rich. Like she talks like she's rich. She always mentions that her dad is shooting a movie, her mom is an actress. You know, all these different expensive things that she claims to own. And notice I said claim, because Cherie tells all these Atlant- outlandish things, and nobody mm. believes her. They all think she's just a pathological liar, because she wants to spice things up for people. Um, you know, because uh, she doesn't want uh, them to get down because she has cancer. Which is actually a thing some people do. Um, now, I don't have cancer. Uh, but I have cerebral palsy, and uh, I am in a wheelchair uh, for long distances, and I, I use crutches. Uh, and as a kid, I got tired of telling people that, you know, I was born like this, I have a condition. It got boring. So eventually, I just started making shit up. Uh, one time... Yeah. One time... Because, because if if somebody who do, if somebody doesn't know me, and they and I tell them uh, if somebody doesn't know me, the first thing I'll do is I'll tell them a lie about my condition, unless it's a serious conversation. I'll be like, "Oh yeah, I got this. Uh, I got this way out of, off of a horse riding accident. Luckily, I didn't get fully paralyzed, but I a lot of my motor function was fucked up, or uh, was it uh, the other one was skateboarding accident, a bunch of various different accidents." Skateboarding accident, car accident, uh, horseback riding—all, um, all actually very believable. I never did anything crazy. Cra- I never said anything crazy, crazy like I was attacked by a shark. Although that's a good one, I might put that one in. I might put that one in the Rolodex. Um, but yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Or something. So tired. Yeah. They forget what the real thing is. Ah. Ah man. Yeah, listen, it's just it just gets boring to be like, yeah, you know, I have a I have a physical condition where my my nervous system doesn't work uh, at full capacity, so blah 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 blah. I'm not going to bore the listeners with my medical diagnosis. That's not what they came here for. Um but yeah, like I I totally get that. Maybe that's why I vibe with Cherie. Uh, but it actually turns out that she is legit rich and it gets really sad. Not that being rich is sad, but you know the other side effect of being rich, at least mm-hmm. in TV land. Like, if you've got rich parents, they're either assholes or just not there. And for Cherie, it's uh, option B. Uh, they're not there for her. At all. Like, to the point where they just send gifts to make sure that, you know, she's not forgotten, again, air quotes, but 
they never really listened to her. And also, fun fact, uh, Cherie is the second member of the cast who turns out to be gay. Uh, but, you know, like she says to uh, Spencer, you know, at least you get to have a conversation with your parents about it. I could yell it at the top of my lungs and they'd just be like, oh, that's nice. And, and not in a, oh, I support you kind of way of a, oh, that's nice, dear. Have fun. So it, it just gets really sad. It's once a month. Once a month. From her tree, yeah, from, from like, like you know, you know how on on set they give the actors like gift baskets or whatever. Like she she gave she gave Cherie like a collection of expensive decorative soaps. Now, mind you, according to Mark, those soaps were immaculate for us brokies. But you know, it's fucking soap. Hand soap, hand soap, the hand soap. Yep. I, I love that. that. Like, again, she's a really fun character. Um, she, she has great dynamics with uh, Spencer, of course. Like, they have a ni- they have a really, really nice friendship. Thank you, Seto. Oh, we're going to take a quick hydrate break, listeners. Uh, I'm going to cut that down for you. Uh, But yeah, hydrate. (sighs) Okay, we're back. Now, yeah. Cherie. Yeah, yeah, Alonka. It, it's towards Alonka. the it's towards the end of the season, but it's really nice. She even gets her an awesome wig, and uh, like, cause like Alonka is very sad about like not having her hair. She really misses her hair, um, which understandable. Uh, but yeah, it, it, she she's just a real sweetheart. I I love. I love Cherie. Now we move on to another character that I I liked a lot. Didn't get much screen time, but the screen time she did get was awesome. And once again, just crazy sad backstory 
Like, all mm. these kids have crazy sad backstories. They have fucking cancer. But, like, they're all sad. Also, what up, 53 in the chat? How you doing, man? But yeah, um, Natsuki. We're talking about Natsuki. Natsuki mm -hmm. is a young Japanese girl who, um, obviously like the others, has cancer. But the twist on her story and in her backstory is that Natsuki suffers majorly from depression. And remember, this show takes place in the 90s. So back then, it's so weird to say back then, it was only 30 years ago. Uh, but back then, people didn't really understand depression or take it seriously. Um, most people were just like, oh, you're sad? Get over it. They, don't, they didn't understand how it really worked. Unless you were directly in the mental health industry. Um, thankfully, nowadays, um, awareness is much more out there. But point being, Natsuki was suffering majorly from depression, um, especially after the death of her father uh, in a car accident. And because of that, she attempted, is all I'm going to say. Uh, because one, uh, I don't want to trigger anyone listening. And two, I am on Twitch and I can't say the word. But she attempted. Luckily, her mother found her before the act was completed. However, when she was taken to the ambulance and then to the hospital, uh, they did a more thorough scan and... You know, even though at the moment she was like, oh man, I'm still alive. You know, maybe now it's my time to live. Maybe that was a sign. I am meant to live. And then she finds out she has cancer. And it's just like, damn, damn, what a double whammy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, a lot, a lot of, a lot of people who, uh, you know, use the bridge method. Uh, there have been a lot mm -hmm. of studies, uh, and you know, I've, uh, I've, I've done research thoroughly in school about this because you know I went to college for psychology. Many people, um, who use the bridge as their preferred method or a bridge, uh, regret it halfway down. You know, the the ones the ones that you know are unsuccessful. Uh, but yeah, uh, major double whammy. Um, her story, um, which is a pattern for a lot of other people, and I I, I realize we skipped over Cherie's story. My bad. Well, let's go. Let's go back and we'll talk about Cherie's story. So real quick before we get to Natsuki's story, talk about Cherie's, which is. A oh right shit that's right in the book she did like you said and uh yeah. like and they didn't get that they didn't give her story this time because of of, of the plot that they the plot that they oh. continued with a certain character 
Yeah, my bad. Right, my bad, my bad. I'm sorry to derail again. Uh, I'm not cutting it out though. Not cutting it out. Personality. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Uh, so yeah, uh, Brian, I've been talking a lot. I'll let you handle talking about Natsuki's story. Which, by the way, Christopher Pike also uh, did the Runaways uh, novel, um, which is really solid. There's a yes. uh, Marvel's Runaways uh, light novel, or not light novel, like YA novel. Really good. I have it somewhere on my shelf. I liked it a lot. Just wanted, just wanted to throw that quick shout out, out there because I, I am also a book nerd. Yep, yep, the longest ride. That's such a that's such a 90s thing. I don't think today motherfuckers would just pick up random hitchhikers. Oh, oh thank you. Keep that list up because I'm I'm not gonna remember the the story the story titles off top. Attempt. Yeah. Which, which, by the way, quick interjection, I love the framing device 
that mm -hmm. each story uses. Because, like, the, the juxtaposition, I didn't see that twist coming. Uh, mm -hmm. when I when I first when I first watched the episode, like, oh shit, she's in the garage. Oh shit, she's in the garage. Ah, gotcha. Yeah, and I and I love how that reflects like the the contemplation of do it, don't do it, and the 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 angel demon are like the the people like the aspects of her pushing herself in either direction, and it, it's such a it's such a cool concept because you know anyone who's dealt with depression in any major way you know has been here and has felt this and. That annoying ass voice that never goes away, and this interpretation of that concept was really good. And one other thing that I liked about, about her in the story mm. is that is Yep. You got cancer. Okay, so, um... Closing closing thoughts on this story. I really enjoyed this story in particular. However, I did have a problem with the episode, uh, and this yeah. is my own one of this is honestly one of my two one of my two only major complaints. We'll get to my second complaint later when we get to the certain character that I don't like. But um, this is my other this is my only other major complaint. Uh, so as I said before, Midnight Club has the anthology aspect where it's just a bunch of stories and uh, you know, the kids are telling these stories that reflect their life and parallel their backstories in a certain way. But then there's also a main overarching plot that has some supernatural elements, a mystery, a lot of intrigue revolving around the facility itself. Now, story itself and Natsuki's whole thing ends beautifully with kind of her talking to a mesh who she eventually like forms a relationship with and really just pouring her heart out and it's just a wonderfully acted scene and it's just so beautiful and I feel like it should have just ended there that's where you cut the episode but then you continue the episode for like five, ten more minutes just to cut in a section to remind you about the overarching plot that has nothing to do like and the overarching plot scene doesn't even involve Natsuki. It involves Alanka and um, 
uh, the thing that she's going on that's uh, going on with her and the overarching plot, which is important. The overarching plot is super interesting, but I feel like it really undercuts the poignancy of Natsuki's very serious, heavily dramatic story. And the thing that like really took me out of it at the end was after that jarring cut to the main plot. The story, the episode actually ends, and we get your normal, if you or someone you know is dealing with depression or thoughts of blankety blank, call this number. They have the, the hotline, of course, which, you know, good on them. Uh, you know, you should always put this there when you're dealing with this type of subject matter. I'm not knocking you for that. What I'm knocking you for is not ending the episode there and then putting your message. Like, we, we could have taken a breather, and just opened up with the main plot in the next episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like... They did a close-up, but, like, I get it. They were, that they made it so it wasn't pretty. Yeah. And, and my point is, well, I'm not mm -hmm. what happened? They, the warning, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. The, con the content warning. Yeah, exactly, and that's what you're supposed to do! Mm -hmm. Like, I, I don't they know about... Yeah. Like I don't I don't know I don't know about you, Brian, but like at that moment in time while I was watching, I genuinely could not have given less of a fuck about the main plot at that moment. My head was still spinning and processing like, oh this poor girl. Like, that's some heavy-ass shit. You can't just throw me into the plot after that. I, yeah, I understand structure-wise, right? You got ten episodes. You can't, like, waste time. But at the same time, like, should let your audience breathe a little bit? Like, I got some major whiplash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It was just it was just a lot. It was just a lot. I was not I was not prepared for that. Alright, so yeah, we, we uh we finished we we talked about Natsuki, we talked about Cherie. Next up we're gonna talk about Natsuki's boyfriend, Amesh. I believe Amesh is from India? Or his parents are from India? He he himself it was American born. But I believe his parents are from India. For his parents to finally uh, get to see him on uh, visit uh, on family day because they're tied up with immigration. Yeah. yeah. Mhm. Mm yep. But yeah. Uh. 
since you co since you covered Natsuki, I'll do a mesh. We'll just alternate. Or alternate. This is how we this is how we work on channel chasers, folks. We make decisions on the fly. Fuck it, we're doing it live. So, uh, a mesh. He is the nerd of this breakfast club of cancer. Sounds so fucked up when you say it like that, but this, that's what it is. Um, and he his big passion is video games. And this is the '90s, so like you know we're talking like. His big thing that he jokes about in th in their therapy circle is not getting to live long enough to play a play try out a PlayStation One because he's you know got to play every console up to this point ever mm -hmm. since the home console became a thing. Um. Yep. 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 Major flashbacks. Honestly, when he said PlayStation One, I immediately heard this iconic sound. Y'all know the sound. They don't even do the sound anymore on the PlayStation. It's so sad. Um, but, yeah. He is obsessed with video games, and he, he really wants to make a video game at some point. That's his big dream. And he constantly talks like he's planning a scenario for one of those, like, choice-based video games. You enter a room. What do you do? You know that kind of thing. It's his, it's his little it's his little quirk, which it does get a little annoying, but not to the point where it like makes you want to strangle him. Mm. Uh, he's a fun character. He's probably the most jovial of the crew, which I appreciate because uh, we we have we have some Debbie Downers in the bunch, which. Understandable, given your circumstances, but Jesus. Like, I am what I consider a realist, and even I'm not like that. But, yeah. Um, Amesh's story is quite possibly my favorite of the bunch. Uh, what is the oh. title, Brian? Okay. Right. So, see you later. A message story uh, is about a young boy who is passionate about video games and often goes to a local game store all the time. And he ends up Developing a crush on the girl behind the counter. Sorry. Oh. My bad. Ah. Sorry. No, I'm good. I, 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 I gave a pause there to see if you were going to actually, uh, if you were looking I, for the Oh, my bad. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, anyway. A message story, title pending, <laughs> is about a kid named Luke who is passionate about video games and frequently goes to a local game store and he ends up developing a crush on the girl behind the counter, Becky. 
who of course is played by Natsuki actress in the episode to parallel the crush and feelings that um, you know Amesh has for Natsuki and he ends up meeting his idol who is this famous game dev programmer dude who is played by the actor who played Ravi on iZombie and uh, another character on Haunting a Blind Manor uh, Owen. Owen thank you all good, all good. I'll th- I'll just edit out the pauses and shit. Um. Anyways, so with that, uh, she ends up teaming up with the programmer guy and uh, getting a job, basically testing out his new game. And he spends a lot of time with this dude, getting to know him and his wife, which. There's a reason for that pause and air quotes. This isn't just me stuttering. So, later on, he ends up bonding with Becky, the girl at the game store, when Becky finds out that the woman who is the programmer dude's wife is cheating on the programmer dude white, the programmer dude with Becky's boyfriend. And at first you're like, ew. That's a little weird. But okay. And then Yeah, yeah. You're thinking, oh, that's that's a little weird, but okay. And then it goes from zero to a hundred. Yep. Okay, interesting coincidence. Yeah, interesting coincidence. Like, I didn't immediately jump to what it actually was because I'm like, I'm not racist. <laughs> this, this, it happens. So what? And uh, so, like, you're, you're, you're just moving along, and then stuff gets to, then it goes from 0 to 100 in, on the sesameter, where it's like, we find out that Programmer Dude and Luke, our main protagonist of this story, both have a heart condition. And then it's like, alright, that's a bigger coincidence, but okay. That condition is actually fairly common. Yeah, so... Let's pick up the action! Homie gets kidnapped! And there's a heart left at his fucking house. And this is where the exposition and the motherfucker of all plot twist at least for this story, fucking happens. And uh, buckle your seatbelts, ladies and gents, but this is a spoiler section, so I'm assuming you've seen the show. But if any of you non-spoiler people stuck around because you don't give a fuck about spoilers, well, good on you. Buckle up, buttercup, because it's about to get fucking crazy. 
<laughs> we find out that Programmer Man is actually Luke from the future. And his girlfriend, the Asian chick, is Becky from the future. And who is who turned who is also um Luke, uh, who is also Luke's best friend, which I, I forgot to mention that in the beginning. Becky's boyfriend, Luke's best friend, Ray, is the motherfucker who kidnaps future Luke. I can say it now. I don't have to keep mm -hmm. calling him Programmer Man. Future Luke. And Becky drops this big-ass bomb on young Luke. And young Luke is understandably like, what the fuck? So now I can actually talk about the game he's been messing with. So, the game is this, like, survival simulator where you basically have mm -hmm. to figure out how to survive on Earth after, you know, post-apocalypse Y2K type shit. Because think about it, it's the 90s, Y2K is a big scare, they think, you know, Y2K happens, nuclear codes get triggered, set off, world, uh, you know, world gets obliterated, the end is here. And... That's what happens in the story because we find out that future Luke ends up working with Ray, who eventually becomes a president. And future Luke def uh, creates this defense system that works a little too well. Y2K happens and shit goes to hell. And they're all trapped on a, like, the remaining survivors, the president and his wife Becky, are on the space station just barely surviving. By random aliens, or at least we think they're aliens, and we'll get to the bullshit twist later. <laughs> um, so anyway, and then on top of that, we find out that future Luke died on his 33rd birthday, which you're not slick, alright? I know why you did that. That's always obvious. He's the savior. He died on his 33rd birthday. He's brown. We get it. He's Jesus. You're not, you're not slick, a mesh. I understand. Oh, uh, but yep, because it's dumb tropes that you see from movies that you know kids would be obsessed with, like fucking Terminator. Terminator gets brought up twice. God damn it. <laughs> But to be fair, T2 came out around this time, and T2 is the best Terminator movie. Um, so I'm not going to fault them for that. But yeah, so Amesh, um, or, or Luke, sorry, I, I, I'm blending characters now. Uh, Luke ends up like figuring out the survival in the game. He has a, a conversation with future, uh, with future Ray. And shit like that. And basically, they're in this, like, kill cycle of, listen, I gotta kill you, Luke, so none of this shit will, none of this shit will ever happen. Blah, 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 blah. And, you know, Becky's on the other side. I gotta kill Ray. If I kill Ray, none of this shit will ever happen. You know. Blah, 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 blah. Yep. 
Yeah, let's let's not. How about we not? I'm 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 not I'm just not gonna program the game. It's it's fine. Or program the system. It's cool. That's it. And, and and that's the thing with time travel, right? You try to fight your destiny, fate just laughs at you, and you know fights even harder. Oh. Well, if you're not gonna if you're not gonna die, then somebody's gotta die. And so, guess who dies? Young Becky. Young Becky. And it results in one older Becky disappearing because, duh, your younger self died. You fade from existence. Uh, actual time travel rules that make sense. <coughs> Game. But yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But anyways, joke aside, um, uh, older older Becky fades from existence. Uh, you know, Ray and Luke have a major reality check because how could you not? What the fuck? Um, which allows mm -hmm. Luke to like live on past his thirty third birthday. Ray does become the president, but he doesn't go insane. Like, yeah, yeah. So he becomes a better person and a better president, hopefully. Um, but yeah, that is Luke's story, and it was amazing. I'm sorry, uh, that one, that was probably gonna take the, yeah. Fuck, I flipped the characters again. God damn it. Keeping that in. Yeah, that was a message story. Um, that one's probably gonna take the longest in terms of our story recap sections. Because, because my god, know. the plot twists were insane. Yeah. Which is why yeah. I loved it so much. Yeah, like, it's just a coincidence. Plus, like, it, he is not the only Indian guy to date an Asian girl. Like, so that happens. That, that doesn't... That's not going to make me automatically think that's his future self. Oh, right, the bullshit plot twist. Okay, so we're actually going to touch on her next, so this serves as a perfect transition. Fucking Sandra, right? So... Sandra, her whole thing is that she's a Jesus freak. And I say that lovingly because I love Sandra. And she always, and I mean always, at the end of her story, it comes down to fucking angels. Yeah, that's what they call it. And it's, it's freaking crazy. Are they angels? Like... When, when, when the mysterious beings happen, and then everybody just collectively groans and like, Shut the fuck up, Sandra! But Amesh... 
surprise plot twist. I thought a uh, future Luke is like, I thought they were aliens, but actually, they were angels. Like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> yeah, but like. Yep. Which is, yeah. Which, yeah. It, she's like, man, the, yeah, the one time that there was an angel porn story that everybody liked, she's so high that she passed out. Oh, man. That was great. But now let's talk yeah. about Sandra, who is the other member of my top three uh, of the Midnight Club. I I thought I was gonna hate Sandra because I know a lot of Sandras. Yeah, she is a self-aware Jesus freak. You know, you would hope that a, a lot of the other Jesus freaks would be self-aware, so that they wouldn't. You know, they would at least apologize for. Oh man, I I went into Jesus mode again. My bad. But yeah, I, that's what I thought she was gonna be, is just the, like, you know, ass, not, not necessarily asshole, but always bring up religion, and, you know, speaking as somebody who has a medical condition, and, uh, you know, is from a religious family, well, not a religious family, but, you know, a family that regularly went to, uh, to church all throughout my childhood and adolescence. I just gotta tell you, I am sick and fucking tired of people telling me that God gives his toughest battles to his strongest soldiers. I do, I do firmly believe in that philosophy. Don't get me wrong. I'm not blasphemous. I do totally believe that. But God, and forgive me, Jesus, for saying this, but Jesus Christ, shut the fuck up. Like, I'm so tired. Yeah. It's because you did something wrong in a past life or some shit. Like, oh my, I... Yeah, it's just... Oh. Oh my god, dude, it's just, it's, it's the worst. Yeah. And oh. again, listeners, uh, we're, we're gonna get tangent mm. but hopefully you're enjoying these tangents, because we're having fun, I hope you're having fun. Uh, yeah, dude, this, it just, oh, it irks me. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, man. But, yo, for real, though? Like, I... I that's, that's what I thought... That's what I thought she was gonna be. And, like, to her credit, like, and the anecdote does relate directly to Sandra. We're not just talking out of our ass to talk out of our ass. Um, because the big plot that she has is going to talk... is going to 
transition into the next character we talk about after we talk about her story, Spencer. Because very, very much like what I said about like getting sick and tired of motherfuckers telling me that God gives his toughest battles to his strongest soldiers. Fucking Sandra. Granted, great for her. She's not an asshole about Spencer being gay. She doesn't think he's a sinner. She doesn't want him to pray the gay away. Which, good for her. It's the 90s. I totally expected her to be that way. Which, I'm glad she proved me wrong. That's honestly one of the major points of why I love Sandra's character. But, like, she has a major disagreement with Spencer because, like, she keeps trying to recruit people to religion as a means of helping them cope with their current status, which I totally understand, right? Like, you know, I am, I'm, I'm not going to get too soapboxy and too political or whatever, because this, this is a dicey subject, but I myself am a firm believer in God, and I do understand the importance of having a relationship with God um, it, as a way to, like, ground yourself and give you something to believe in when times are at their darkest, right? Mm -hmm. It's super important, and I definitely value that. But recruiting people mm -hmm. at this stage, Sandra was a bit much, and eventually Spencer, very much like me in that anecdote, blows up at her and is like, would you shut the fuck up about church and faith? You think I don't know about the fucking church? Your people? Religious people? Church? I grew up there. And you know what happened when they found out about who I was and what I did and what I got diagnosed with? They shunned me. They kicked me out. I became a pariah. I lost my relationship with my mother because of her faith, Sandra. So forgive me if I don't think God gives a fuck about me anymore. Yeah, because she tries to make up for it from Spencer because she realizes, oh fuck, I didn't know that. I am so sorry. But I do want to show you that God isn't like that. Which, kudos for Sandra, because I say this all the time. Again, as someone who firmly believes in God and the teachings of Jesus, God doesn't hate you if you're gay. God loves everybody. And Sandra is logical about that. And her story is my second favorite because it just ticks off several boxes for me because I fucking love noir stories. They're my shit. And her whole thing is a black and white noir detective story.
Yep. And, uh, but yeah, basically, it's like this... So, so we don't sit here forever just recapping stories. It's a murder mystery, and we find, and it, it, it centers around a male gay couple. And we, we um, you know, it talks about just kind of the injustice that happens, and it paints them in a very sympathetic light, which is Sandra showing that she empathizes and understands, um, you know, Spencer's problems and why he believes that way. But she tries to give him a little ray of hope at the end of the story, which actually does help Spencer overall in his arc. So let's go ahead and transfer over to Spencer. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sorry, guys. I guess I just can't help myself. Oh, man. But yeah. Alright. So, alternating. Spencer, go. Yep, like, and, just, and also character. and also gave it to him unknowingly as well. Like you know, not like his boyfriend was an asshole, and you know, was one of those like, I'm suffering, so I'm gonna make you suffer too kind of thing. Um, I I, I, I wanted to make that uh, clarification first, but yeah, go ahead. Which, Cherie, 100% MVP. I love you. That's why you're yeah. in my top three. Um. It was yep. Yep. And, uh, Only his dad. Yep. Or she's with her church, or she's busy with her church group. Um, real quick, before you continue uh, uh, diving into Spencer's story and character, Brian, I want your opinion, and I, I want to know. Um, what did you think of the house scene? My opinion, that is the best acted scene we mm -hmm. got throughout this season. Spencer's oh, yeah. actor absolutely crushed that. 
Oh yeah. Oh, oh shit. Damn, son. Where'd you find this courage? Yeah, yeah, no, like, just coming to terms with himself. It was such a beautiful journey. Yeah, it gets a little preachy, but not to the point where it's like, ugh. Because, like, it's the 90s, of course it's going to be like this. If, if this was set today, I might give it a little more flack. But at this time, having that kind of moment is fucking huge. Mm. Yep, like, oh, lo and behold, that's what the future, ha that's what happens in the future. Um, yeah, so we're not gonna, we're, we're not gonna, we're not gonna touch, we're not gonna, like, deep dive into both, like, recap wise, but I, I will quickly say, I really did not like his second story. Which was our other take on Terminator time travel. This time with a literal Terminator. Which, funny enough, I, I think that was a, I think that was a wink and a nod and a my bad guys. Or uh, midnight mass. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nice. Again, which which lends to my theory of this also being a wink nod. My bad, guys, for midnight mass. I didn't hate, I didn't hate it, but, like, if the, so if this story had happened earlier, like, yeah. earlier in the season, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dislike it as much as I do. But when this has happened after, like, Anya's story and Natsuki's, all these, like, really traumatic Luke story, really heavy, really well-executed mm -hmm. plot twists, you go to his second, his first full Midnight Club story, which is technically his second, and his is like cheesy, hokey with a dumbass, convoluted Terminator plot twist. 
And it's just like, God damn it. Yep. And so it's that but Yep. They were all Yep. Because I don't cyber. No, he was yeah, he was a full on Terminator, yeah. Full on Terminator. Yeah, but you know, whatever. Oh, uh, like, and and and, and, th and this isn't to take away from Spencer's story at all, mind you. Like his like actual character story. I just th I just thought that 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 story kind of sucked in comparison. Oh my god, I didn't mean to make us. I didn't. I didn't mean to make that pun after Brian mentioned the vampire thing again. Damn it! I can't stop myself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then also, and he also did like the, uh, they did a Terminator Genesis where the, uh, where John Connor turns into a Terminator essentially. And I refuse to call it ter by its actual name. It was so shit that I'm calling it Terminator Genesis. That's how it's spelled. I refuse to say that is how you, is, I'm not going to say that word is Genesis. Why is there a Y there, you idiots? You're not Madison from She-Hulk. I don't care if you put the Y where where, where uh, you don't think it is. Right? Not like yeah. I said, Madison from She-Hulk. <laughs> Fun character. She put the Y where you don't think it is, and she was at least funny. Also, I'm I'm just now realizing this, just as a side note, because this is just a real time. Like, oh my god, they did a lot of stories about predicting the future and potential future stuff. So fucking weird. Yep. 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 Same. Same. That is definitely my least favorite. No question.
Also, I really do like the fact that um, when his mother like comes to family day, she is still very awkward and hesitant. Like it's not just, damn, I was really touched by his speech. Now I'm just gonna unlearn all that toxic stuff that mm -hmm. I I got from church. No, it's a small, gradual process. It's an important step, mm -hmm. but it's a baby step. And I thought that was great. Like, I, it w I would have rolled my eyes if she was just now all of a sudden hugging him, being normal, lovey-dovey. That would have been like, all right, all right. But again, like, like when he first death, Cherie! Uh, oh my god, Cherie had me dying laughing in that scene, because Cherie saunters up to his family, because, uh, keep in mind, like Brian mentioned earlier, this, uh, Cherie usually stays down, uh, stays upstairs in her room for family night. This is her first family night. She actually, you know, comes down and, uh, mingles with the families. She saunters up to, um, up to Spencer's mom and dad, and she goes, Hello, I'm Cherie. Uh, I, um, and I'm, I'm Spencer's friend. Actually, I lied. I'm not just Spencer's friend. I'm his fiance. And he looks at her and he goes, Dude, too soon. Because his mom gives this like, oh, Really? You're not gay? And <laughs> right? Oh my god, I, I died laughing, man. That was great. It, it was it's such a good way to like happy and cap it. My bad. I was just gonna say. Yeah, it's a good it's a good end cap for her arc, yeah. There are a lot of sweet uh there are a lot of just sweet happy notes in that family day uh section overall. Uh mm -hmm. we uh we, we can just quickly touch on this. Natsuki is uh Natsuki's Natsuki and her mom are sitting with um like Amesh and his aunt and uncle. Which which is really sweet. I I love that. Um but yeah, so uh, next up, here we are. We finally made it. The final three. And of course, it lands on me to talk about my biggest air quotes ever. Favorite character. Damn, Fate, you had to do this to me. I got to talk about Kevin. All right, so let me start by explaining my beef with Kevin. Kevin... Reminds me of every cancer movie male protagonist ever. And as someone who has watched a non-zero number of teen cancer movies, and it's also higher than two. I've watched a bunch of them, point being. And those guys get on my nerves. And I, I really don't like them. Also, he reminded me of, like... Post-season one Jughead for anyone 
who has watched Riverdale in the audience. He's got, he's got that edgy, I'm a weirdo thing. And that's especially evident with his overly edgy story. Oh my god. Like, I didn't like it. I didn't like his story that much, to be honest. Like, it's not as... I, I don't dislike it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't dislike it as much as Spencer's, because his at least has a funny... Because his at least has a funny thing, because, uh, like, the little, tr the little, little uh, quirk with him is that he purposely leaves cliffhangers in his stories, because he's like, mm -hmm. to be continued, and to find out what happened next time, and they all repeat it at the same time, you're gonna have to live just a little longer. So it's a nice technique, he means well, but god, he is such a tryhard! Yeah. Mm hmm It honestly reminded me a little bit of Bly Manor, because something similar happened in Bly Manor with the evil spirit oh, yeah. thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. L l little, little hokey. But, yeah. Yeah, it's just ah, oh, I'm tired of it, man. Yeah, TLTW. It's the Ansel Elgore's plot from False Nar Stars. Yeah, just full-on serial killer, and it's just like, oh, of course, you'd be the one that's, like, obsessed with serial killers and all that shit, yeah. You know, a handsome white boy with a dark side, but also has cancer. <sighs> The voice. <laughs> oh even, man. Even the last... Yeah, no, I just I I really didn't like him. Also, uh his romance with Alonka was cute, but like Jesus Christ, at least with a like a mesh and Nazi. There was a build-up and subtlety to it. They had little small moments. Like, it was obvious that Amesh liked, liked her, but, like, he, it was cute because he would fumble and, like, mess up, and it took Natsuki a little bit to pick up on, on those vibes. But it was so obvious that they were into each other, I was just, 
kind of bashing my head against my desk like, Jesus Christ, just get on with it. Like, he frustrates me so much because... Oh, go ahead. Literally his first scene where he's introduced. It's like, well, there you go. And then it's just like, and it's just like, ah, dude, are you serious? Dude, literally, literally, it comes to the point where everyone in show is sick of his bullshit. And fucking Spencer, his roommate, his bro, number one guy, is like, Motherfucker, just ask her out already. I'm not breaking an or, or motherfucker. He no, it's, he's even more so than that. He's like motherfucker, Nike, just do it. He goes, I'm not gonna break up with Bianca. He goes, Ah, you see that? I didn't say shit, but as soon as I said just, as soon as I, I said just do it, you immediately jumped to break up with Bianca. So you know that you're full of shit and you need to just move on and get this going because everybody is sick and tired of you two and your bullshit. Right? Like, you do realize... He, he straight up, he says straight up, you do realize that possibly in a few months, she could just not have a boyfriend at all, and maybe somewhere down the line, she'll realize, oh my god, he was pitying me the whole time. That's even more cruel, jackass. Which is maybe another reason why I didn't like him, because that was my initial thought, and Spencer said it out loud. Ugh. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh. yep. Yep, like our good buddy Tony. Um, but yeah, uh, my goodness. Uh, but yeah, Kevin rant over. I, I swear to God, these last two parts will be shorter. We, we are, like, talking you guys' ears off. Um, but they are pretty big parts. So, Brian, <laughs> the heaviest part falls to you, my friend. You get to talk about my favorite character, even though I got to talk about my fucking least favorite character. Nice. Yep. Dude. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. Her first is called 
The two Danas. I remember that one specifically because that was easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She gets she gets recruited for this ballet school all the way in the U.S. because she lives in Ireland. Because fun fact, the uh, the actress is Irish and character as well. Yep. She goes She goes full rue from euphoria. Holy fuck. That was wild. Yeah. No 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 that's not true. No, that's not true. Remember. She Oh shit. Spoiler. I but anyway. But anyway, um I I forgot. No worries. Hopefully we'll get to it. Yeah, hopefully we'll get to season three. We'll get to do an episode on the podcast. Hunter Schaefer? Sydney? Cause she's so fucking busy. Yeah. Oh really? Aww. I love Barb. Barb is the actress's name. We we can heroin. She chases the she chases the China White Dragon. Goes full on Roy Harper. Also, real quick, real quick side note, like this is this is also just a real time reaction. So I just find this like a funny in a fucked up way, and yeah, you you know you guys can call me fucked up all you want in your in the reviews if you re want to talk about this episode in your review, but like, dude, it's it's so funny that like I mentioned Roy Harper and you know Anya also did heroin and Anya loses a leg, Roy loses an arm. Uh Yep, they decided the Highlander style. So, well, I don't know. 
Well, you can, you can, you can, you can say kill each other because technically, I mean, while it is technically the, the banned word, it, they are literally just trying to murder each other. Yep. Tur turns out the hell is a metaphor for cancer because we find out yeah. that that just on your fucking life. Jesus H Christ. <laughs> yes, that H was set on purpose. That yeah, I would say and yes, that H was set on purpose, unfully yeah. intended. Yeah, which that was cool. This is her first. Uh, this is her first real thing. Mhm. Mm which, as someone as someone who uses a wheelchair on a regular basis, that is a thing we do. Um, yeah. I, I, I. I mean, I, I, I can move my legs, but I use the momentum of my wheelchair to uh, kick doors open. <laughs> like, I, like, as like a battering ram kind of thing. Like, I will like stick my foot out and just, like, use my arm strength to wheel myself forward with as much force as possible to just BANG! <laughs> it's fun. Good times. It hurts like hell sometimes when you, when you do it the wrong way. But, you know. Price of your actions. But, but yeah. Certainly. I'm. Certainly. I'm certainly. Of course. He starts to get. Yep. And that pump. Plot. The red. To try to. Her. Mm -hmm. And they. They. No, no, we know. We no, we no, we can do the main plot. We can do the main plot here because it's directly connected to Anya, and we'll we'll, we'll go into the why with uh, with Alanka. But yeah, so they, uh, that they can help on to get because she's the big sister of the whole crew, basically. Yeah. Even, even Sharon, even Sharon, who is like, this is some pagan witchcraft bullshit. I love Jesus. No siree, I am a conscientious objector. I'm not doing it. But then she's like, you know what? All right, it's for Anya. God can forgive me for a little witchcraft. I'm not. I'm not the one. I'm not chanting the spells. I'm just here. I'm mm -hmm. gonna at least be here. Sacrifice about themselves. 
Yeah, we're not going to go into detail because time, again, we've been talking your ears off. Yeah, true. And, uh, and then that's how we got to the title on. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, she's better. We think it worked. It's like, holy shit. And then we no. found. Yeah, she yeah she works at yeah she works at like a Walmart. She's got a prosthetic leg now. Yep. In a shitty apartment, watching uh, Law and Order, or forgive me, I don't remember what the parody title is, but you know, synonym words for Law and Order. Yep. Worked on, yep, everybody else died, which I was like, oh, damn, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah, they, they don't add up. I'll... Who, uh, we didn't find out that a mesh died. We just we just heard we just heard that a mesh was still in the facility. So like, we we all we, the only one we got confirmation on, uh, the only one that we got confirmation on at the time, according to Anya, where Natsuki died, Sari died, and Ilanka died. The girls basically. We know for sure that the girls died. So. You know, the boys were were all those were all still on the table. Um and so <laughs> Yep. And so, she's like, Holy shit, it worked for you too. Naturally she burst in super joyous and like she's she gives him a hug and then go ahead, Brian. Luke. It's Luke. Which, eagle-eyed listeners, if you remember just several minutes ago when we covered Amesh and his story about working at the game store, what was his character's name? It was Luke. We see in the game store the manager comes out when all this commotion is going on, and who is the manager of the game store? Well, who was the manager of the game store in the story? Becky, yeah. aka Natsuki, and she's like, oh, Natsuki, but you're dead. Character from 
Yep. In, in character story, killed front of. No, oh, oh no no! It was it was Alonka's character from it was Alonka's character from uh the the what fuck is the my hated character's name Kevin, fucking Kevin story. Kevin. I said. Oh, because we just we just talked about Luke uh from a message yeah, story my, here. My bad. All good. Bad. It's okay. Kevin. We're we're keeping it in there. We're doing it live. Yeah, no, it's fine. It's fine, Brian. Um, I think the yeah, it, it's wild, guys. And and, and 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 then yeah yeah and this is her finally going like going into the light It's okay. And, and it's I cried. And I didn't cry, but I cried. Oh yeah, I super cried at that part. Uh, this part yeah. was this part was just a single tear. I didn't I didn't get ugly until that part, which we'll I get to. I'm a little baby, Brian. I'm a little baby. I know. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, and, but uh, yeah. But, but yeah, so I'm been doing go. Yep. And favorite character. One or two episodes. Yep. Shit. And no, you're not just like shit. You're, let me quote, let me quote my text from this particular time frame. Mm -hmm. Fuck you, Flanagan. And if you're listening to this, I'm saying this with love, sir, but fuck you, Mr. Flanagan. Fuck you, sir. You hurt my heart. Um. Yeah. Because that was when I cried the first time. Oh, man. But yeah, so let's talk about the time we cried. Yeah. We both cried, and this is where I ugly cried. <laughs> oh man! So they end up doing this beautiful final send off for Anya at the beach, where they have like a proper eulogy. Everybody shares mm -hmm. their stories about what Anya means to them and all the stuff she's done for them and how she's looked out for them, like the big sister they never had, kind of thing. And yeah, in true fashion, she 
rolled it into joints, put it in fucking seasoning for all I care. I don't, no. I don't give, I, I, who gives a fuck? I'm dead. Which this I, which I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna front with you guys. It's not those exact words, but, uh, I do have a, like, a regularly updating will and testament, uh, notarized and done. You know, just as a just-in-case thing, they tell you to do that at the Social Security office if you have a medical condition, not as a morbid thing, but, you know, just because you never know. And, uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm not gonna, like, say out loud what's in it, but it has very much that same sentiment at the end. And, oh, by the way, we didn't mention it before, but Cherie plays the cello. This is important. <laughs> this is very important, because this is what made me cry. Like a little baby bitch. Um, they, uh, yeah, no, it was the singing, too. I was, yeah, I was gonna get there. Oh, man. So, so Cherie starts playing the cello, and she plays a, an iconic song from a very great band. That has also been through some like traumatic experiences with death. Um, September is uh, sep uh, September is uh, isn't over, so I can't make that joke. Um, it's been passed over for a while now, as of the recording of this podcast. But yeah. Green Day, uh, time of your life, man. Like the melody starts playing, and you're just like, "Oh, this is sad." I started to cry. And then they start to sing it together, and I cry harder. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I love I love that. Some of them are off key. Some of them are out of sync. Like it 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 makes it feel more real. Yeah, it feels more real. And the other thing is. Some of them, maybe they can actually sing, but they sound terrible because they're crying. And don't listen to Anne Hathaway, alright? You're not gonna sound good with a million gallons of snot building up in your fucking throat and nose, okay? I don't care if the crying adds to the scene acting-wise and you won an Oscar for it. It made that scene shit, and you ruined one of the best songs of Les Mis. I'm sorry, I had to say it. I had, I, I, I haven't had a chance to get that off of my chest. And it feels great. <sighs> I know, but she defended it. She defended it real hard. Ah, uh, but anyways, yeah, that made me cry like a little baby bitch. Rest in peace, Anya. Um. I, I was honestly thoroughly convinced that the last two episodes were going to be just kind of the aftermath of Anya, because that was literally kind of how Bly Manor went about, and this already felt like it was going to be Bly Manor 2.0. Because, like, you know, at the end of Bly Manor, another spoiler, you know, the significant other goes to live on afterwards, and we, we see her as an old lady... Like, retelling the story, kind of, like, recapping all this stuff. And, then, and I thought that was how this was gonna end. But nope. They fucking kill her, and I'm sad. Yeah, yeah they just had to- you had to hurt us, Flanagan. 
had to fucking hurt him. God dang it. Alright, so, now we're gonna talk about Alonka. Um, I'm gonna speed through a lot of this, because my, my voice... Yeah, it's, it's very heavy. Yeah, it's our favorite character, and it's very heavy. I can speed through Alonka, because while she's not yeah. a bad character, she's not my favorite. She's nowhere in my top, but she's still pretty solid. Uh, Alonka... Yeah. So, Alonka is our main POV character. I'm not going to say main character. She's our main POV character. Um, and I ride along. She's the one who discovers Bright Cliff after she finds out that she has cancer. Um, she has these visions of this place. Uh, some spooky undertones. Blah, 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 blah. Middle, middle, middle. We uh, eventually... She, uh, the reason she chooses Bright Cliff is because she hears about this story about this lady named Julia Jane, who was in the original first class of Bright Cliff. I say first class like they're the fucking X-Men. It might as well be. Um, anyway, Julia ends up disappearing and getting healed, so she thinks there's something special about the facility. She ends up going to the facility, making her friends, finding the Midnight Club. You guys all know the rest. You've heard, you heard us talk about her other friend stories. Um, she herself is a gifted writer. She wanted to go to school for writing. And this is why she tells some of the best stories and really earns her place at the Midnight Club. She mm. honestly does have the best story out of them all at the end. Um, I, will oh. say that, I will say that, like in terms of structure at least. Out. Yep. Be salutatorian. Yep. Second in her class. Which, you know, good for her. Um, but... Princeton? No, it was Princeton. Oh, no, not Princeton. It was Stanford. It was one of the Ivy Leagues. I'm sorry. We've been talking... We've been talking for three hours. I'm tired. I'm, but I'm keeping it in. Um... It's the, yeah, it's the regret, which is, you know, basic cancer trope, like, which is why I didn't really connect with her as much. She doesn't have as much nuance as the other kids. Um, yep, and that's where she discovers she has cancer. And also, cancer trope 101, you know, friend gives them the pity call while they're at the facility. Never see friend again. Um, but yeah, uh, she ends up coming across this random lady. Massive air quotes. And this random lady is super, super health foodie. And at first I'm like, oh no, it's Gwyneth Paltrow. She's going to try to recruit you for goop. Because that was the vibe I got. Yeah, that was the vibe I got at first. And then slowly they start spoon feeding you the main plot about the ritual and stuff. Where we, uh, when uh, she ends up really befriending Anya, coming super close, their best friends and roommates, and she really wants to save her, which leads her to finding about out about the ritual that Julia Jane did, and then performing the ritual like we mentioned Anya's part. And then you know they telegraph it super hard, and we discover 
plot twist, the lady Shasta is actually Julia Jane. Le gasp. And the weird cult stuff. Yeah, there's cult stuff in here. We skipped over that too because short on time, heavy on plot. Um, yeah, it's Greek. It's a Greek tattoo. Yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no sugarcoating it. It, it. it gets real weird. This is where all our major supernatural stuff happens. And while that's interesting, I, I know I sound apathetic, but I'm, I'm just honestly super. It is legit super interesting, and I was gripped the entire time. Like, don't get it twisted. I, I really liked it. I'm just really fucking tired. Um, and I have to edit after this. Christ. Um, but yeah. So, yeah, just, uh, yeah, so, um, like, it's where all our main plot stuff happens. Uh, we discover about the cult that first, uh, called Brightcliff its home, and then, of course, Dr. Stanton wants to distance herself from all that bullshit, because, you know, no one wants their property associated with cults, because, you know, especially in the 90s, geesh. But yeah, um, all that stuff happens. It's honestly really thrilling. I, I I loved the intrigue involved in this. Alanka finding secret rooms and shit. Really fucking cool. Um, yeah, I'm underselling it a lot due to my apathetic tone. But I swear to you, it's actually super interesting. And one yeah. of the re one of the reasons why I couldn't put it down when I started watching it, like I one sitting easy. Um, but yeah, um, but yeah, let's talk about Alonka's story. She also gets to, I'm not really going to talk about the first one. Not really that important. Um, it's another like direct life parallel one, but the second one, the final story of the, of the show is about a wit, uh, a girl who is a witch. And has to decide how to use her power properly, which is kind of a metaphor for Alonka's whole story throughout the season. Mm -hmm. And eventually, she just learns to let go and kind of accept the ride as it happens. Kind of thing. It's really great. Oh, shit! We skipped over one of the most major plot points ever. I am so sorry, y'all. When we, for we forgot to talk about Sandra's plot twist. Sandra doesn't have cancer. Holy shit, why did I even... I have it in my notes. I'm so sorry. Uh, yes, Sandra doesn't have cancer. She's good. She gets to go home, which is a big plot point, uh, plot point at the, in the final episode of the season. Yep. Um, it's a big plot point at the end of the season. Um, we get a very heartfelt goodbye with Sandra. And it's, it's so good. Well done. Um, but yeah. The scene where, like, she, she, uh, her friend has to say goodbye to her, which is, like, a nice role reversal, and I'm sure that's, like, Alonka inserting herself because she wishes that she was the one that went instead of Anya. Um, really mm -hmm. sweet. That made me cry. Super heartfelt. This entire show is just absolutely phenomenal. Oh, my goodness. Uh, let's go ahead and transition into final thoughts. 
because my voice is dying. I'm gonna hydrate. I was. I was. Oh god, I was. Ah, uh, go ahead, Ryan. I'm gonna hydrate while you, uh, while you talk. Same. Yep, she takes yeah. she takes off a wig. We see a Greek tattoo. Quite possibly, she turns out that she um is Athena, the daughter of the cult lady, the original cult lady, not Shasta slash mm -hmm. Julia Jane. Um. Yeah, she was mentored by the original cult lady. Yeah. Which is something we skipped over. Again, sorry. Voice die. Also, I think I'm... But, uh... I, I really enjoy... Definitely, I really enjoy... Oh, yeah. And 100%. I think cool... Uh, some cool things that we talked about. Valor. Dead. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that, that that's a big thing because it shows it shows like the actual supernatural sign because the whole point of the Midnight Club is that uh you know they promise to leave a sign that there is another side and that you know they're gonna be okay and Anya vocally promised if anyone's gonna do it I'm gonna fucking do it and she did fucking do it. Yeah, so yeah, um, um, your final score um, out of 10? I was going to say something. It's fine. Uh, oh, the <laughs> other part was cry. The fi the, yeah, the firefly her scene. Story. Yeah, the firefly scene and her final story where. where she was her mom. Mm hmm. Yeah, which is a, a whole metaphor for the whole found family thing that Alonka found for, with, within the Midnight Club. Really yeah. sweet, really nice. Uh, definitely got it, me choked up too. It also had to be the only thing about is... Oh yeah. Nazi, Kevin, um, wow, that's hilarious. 
So, listeners, <laughs> listeners, I'm, I'm going to clue you in on something that chat over on Twitch already knows if chat has been regularly watching these episodes. An unironic tradition, because Brian and I keep our scores from each other before we record the podcast, mm-hmm. so that we don't influence each other's scores. We figure out our score by the end, yeah. But also, again, like, if we have a score, an initial score from just raw watching it, we don't tell each other so that, you know, the other Mm -hmm. score doesn't even indirectly influence, you know, our own personal score. Yeah. We end up always having a .5 difference in either direction. Uh, Usually, Brian is the optimist and he scores higher. And mm-hmm. I score lower, and there are rare in- yeah, where it's the rare instance where Brian scored lower and I scored higher. And, and guess was, what? Uh-huh. I think there was time. No, uh, there was one time we were the exact same, but that was because Cap was there and Cap was low. Oh. Uh huh. Um, but yeah. Uh, point being, uh, Brian pretty much summed up all my. Major point, uh, major thoughts, uh, final uh, thoughts on the Midnight Club. Uh, and I'm a very real with you, audience. I'm tired. I gotta edit this later. So I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna speed through it. My final score is a 7.5 out of 10. I was originally gonna give it a 7, but like after talking about up a lot of the good points and realizing that the, the points that I had major problems with weren't actually that bad. I bumped it up to a 7.5. Yeah, so, you know, there you go. Uh, that is our discussion on the Midnight Club, and this concludes the first audio-only episode of Channel Chasers Season 2. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed. You had a nice snack. Hell, maybe even a nice dinner with how long we went. Uh, but regardless, I hope you had fun chat on Twitch. I hope you guys had fun too. Uh, but uh-huh. as far as the recording goes, this is where we will end it and we'll give you a little uh, tip and preview of what you can expect next week. Because yeah, uh, this time we'll actually get to do a double uh, recording instead of our usual bi-weekly thing because IRL stuff. Uh, but next week, Brian, what are we covering on Channel Chasers? Uh, to let the audience know. Yeah, that's right, folks. Yep. We are going to be talking about some hot D. House of the Dragon. I'm so excited. Oh, man. I I cannot wait. We'll also have our boy Tony up here. Uh, We're going to do our best to keep Tony on the leash so we don't have to do this again, where it's like three plus hours. Normally three hours is our cap time. Hopefully with editing, it'll be less. But I also got to do a lot of editing. Um, but yeah, regardless, hope you guys had fun. Uh, definitely leave us a, a review on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever your preferred podcast platform is. Uh, Twitch chat, thank you for rocking with us. We always appreciate you guys. You're the best. And thanks, if you want to... Uh-huh. Yep. Thanks. Go ahead, Brian. My bad. Yep. 53. Yeah. Yeah, appreciate all you guys in the live chat. Y'all are the real MVPs. And if you would also like to be one of the real MVPs, don't think I'm not too tired to shill. 
Don't forget to follow me at twitch.tv forward slash Mr. JVT. Uh, if I can leave a link in the description of the podcast notes, you know I will. But if not, I'll just keep saying the link. Because guess what? I'm not too tired to shill. Twitch.tv forward slash Mr. JVT. Definitely check me out. We have a great time here. Uh, I, I play video games while chatting it up with my friends just about random topics, ch- uh, tangenting it up. Basically, this podcast, but without one set subject. It's a great time. We have a lot of fun. We voice characters. We get into a lot of fun shenanigans. Brian can attest to it. He is a regular on uh, on the stream's rotating voice cast. Uh, we have a great time, and I think you will too. If you actually sat here and listened to us for three hours, you clearly like us. So please, if you aren't already, follow me. It's free. I'm not asking you to sub. Yep. But until then, we'll catch you later. Peace.